0: Well, turn your Bibles to Genesis 25. Of course, we're continuing our study of the book of Genesis, the book of beginnings. We're seeing the events in the life of Isaac and his two sons, really Jacob and Esau. It's a great passage, powerful passage. We're seeing the issue of God choosing Jacob over Esau. That's one of the things we're going to see in this passage. And, and we get the character of these two sons. Realize Jacob and Esau, even before they were born, God chose that the seed would come through Jacob. We'll see how that ties together. We'll look at some contrast. One life is temporal. For right now, fulfill the flesh, that's saw. The other life is for the eternal, that's for the future. The blessings of God, that's, of course, uh, Jacob. And as we look at this, let me raise a few questions. How can we see God's sovereign choosing? We'll see it as we go through the passage. What do the names Jacob and Esau mean? We'll see at their birth there was names given to them. And what is the birthright of the firstborn? What, what is, what's the blessing there? What's, what's the thing that uh, Jacob keeps saying to Esau, sell me your birthright or give me your birthright? What, what does he mean? What's the whole idea there? Well, there's a lot there. Let's begin with prayer and then we'll get into the passage. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a great night. Thank you for the privilege we have as believers to come together to worship our Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, thanks For the great psalms, just wonderful and so fun to sing them and to lift up our voices in praise and adoration to our Savior Jesus. Lord, we just ask you that as we think about the book of Genesis and the things that are there, as we've gone through from the very beginning verse by verse, passage by passage, that you would continue to teach us, that we'd see things that we can apply in our lives right now and that we can make application. Lord, we know that uh, your word is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. It's just perfect. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of studying the word of God. We thank you for each one that is here, but most of all Again, we thank you for our Savior, Jesus, and the eternal life we have by faith. Lord, teach us now. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, sometimes the mistake that people make, especially when they get out of college they get their first big job, uh, first new job, they, they want to go out and buy something big, like maybe a car or a stereo system or something for their house or something. And it's, it's there, and they don't really think about the payments. They don't think about maybe the future aspect of it. They say, I just got to have this now. They want it so bad they don't really give regard to how much it's going to take out of their budget or what it's going to cost. And then they get into financial trouble, and they think later, you know, if I'd have just thought about this, if I'd have just sat down and thought about when all this involved maybe maybe i wouldn 't have bought it, but I wanted it so bad. Well, tonight we see something like that because we see the two sons of Isaac, Jacob, and Esau, and we see the issue of the birthright. but Esau, for the pull of something right now he 's hungry and he wants some food, and there 's this pot there you know of some food in it, and he says i got to have it right now in fact i 'll just die if i don 't have it right now, and he disregards his whole future for A little bite to eat for a bowl of soup. And we'll see how that works tonight. You know, you think about it. There's two ways you can live. One is you can live for the now which is the whole temporal aspect of everything, or you can live for the future, which is the eternal aspect. And as we look at the two sons of Isaac, we see the contrast. And we're going to go back, of course, to the birth of the sons. We'll get the flow. We'll start back at about verse 19, trying to get the flow through there and see how it fits. There are three things that when you look at this passage. First of all, we see the birth of the two sons God's choosing. Then we see the lives of the sons, and we see the issue of the birthright, and we'll see how all that ties together. There's a lot in this passage. We'll go through it fairly quickly. If you remember, several weeks ago, we had gone through... Uh, verses 1 through about 20, 21, as we saw the background. But let's remember what's happened. Abraham has died. His sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him. And then they give you the information about about Ishmael and how he went on. And he had 12 sons and 12 tribes. And then they went on. And then they started talking about Isaac and a little bit about him. And then we're going to get uh, the idea of Isaac's son, Jacob. And Esau. I think one of the things to remember when you study the Bible and you think about the Jewish people, a lot of times people say the Jewish people are the descendants of Abraham. You can't really say that because some of the descendants of Abraham aren't Jewish. The very best way to say it is the Jewish people are the descendants of Abraham through Isaac and Jacob. If you say it that way, you're right. If you just say the descendants of Abraham are Jewish, that's not accurate. you know, is clear. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Well, the sons are coming. Look back at verse 19. This is where we'll start. Genesis 25, verse 19. Now, these are the, the records of the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham became the father of Isaac. Now, as we studied the book of Genesis, we noticed that uh, Isaac sometimes is called the forgotten man, because you think of this. Uh, you got Abraham, he's the man of faith You go all the way back to Genesis 12 He's living in the earth of the Chaldees God calls him to go to a place that he'll show him And that he'll give him later And Abraham leaves not even knowing where he's going And he's the man of faith And he does all these things And then he has the son Isaac But there's not much about Isaac Because what's happened is Isaac has the son named Jacob And Jacob, of course, is renamed Israel And becomes the dominant one of the nation's named after him And he has the twelve sons And he becomes much more famous than Isaac in that sense And then through that, through the twelve sons One of them that really stands out in Genesis this is Joseph, and we see his character, and he becomes the ruler in Egypt and all of this. So if you look at it, you go, well, there were four people, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph. But uh, Isaac is sort of the forgotten man. Uh, he's sometimes called Abraham's son and Jacob's father. You know, that's sort of, you know, when, you're, when you've got kids in elementary school, they come up and they go, oh, you're Sarah's daddy, or you're Catherine's daddy. You're not, you're who you are, you're somebody's daddy, you know. Well, that's the way uh, Isaac was. He ends up being Abraham's son and Jacob's father. Little glamour, but he was a faithful man. In fact, as you remember, some have said that the, the greatest event in his life was when he allowed his father, Abraham, to offer him up in Genesis 22 on that on that altar. Because you remember when the story of Abraham taking Isaac up and putting him on the altar and he was going to kill him, he was going to cut his throat and they going to burn him completely up because that's what God had told him to do. You remember that Abraham was an old man by then. And Isaac was not a little beady boy. He was the one carrying the wood and the stuff. He was probably 12, 14 years old, maybe older than that. And so he allowed his father to bind him and put him on that thing. And they say there was a, a great test of faith there and a, a great man. Well, in this chapter, uh, here we see, we think, okay, Abraham died. Now we're going to really get into Isaac But what we really get into is the Isaac's sons, Jacob and Esau, and you go right into their lives. And there's just a little bit there. We'll we'll see some more. uh, We'll see what happens to Isaac in chapter 26. The only negative in chapter 26, uh, he messes up. So if it was Isaac, you'd say, I, I wish you'd just left out chapter 26 and said something good about me instead of what happened in chapter 26. But that's what happened. So there's some powerful things. Notice what happened, verse 20. Isaac was 40 years old, and he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean of Aram, the sister of Laban, the Aramean, to be his wife. And you remember the story. He was, of course, um, 40 years old when he got married. Rebekah, uh, Abraham said to his servant, I do not want you to get a wife for my son from the people around here. I want you you to go back and so he went all the way back and got to rebecca and brought rebecca back and it's it's been a great thing uh they he was 40 years old when they got married and we'll see in the passage that he's 60 years old when he has his children that's 20 years and that's a long time uh abraham waited 25 years for his son and they're going to wait 20 years for this Uh, if you remember that uh, abraham is 100 years older than his son so when Isaac is 40 years old and gets married, Abraham is 140 years old. And Abraham was 175 when he died. We're going to find out that when these boys are born, a little bit later on, Jacob and Esau, Abraham uh, Abraham dies, those boys are 15 years old. The twins are 15 when Abraham dies. So sometimes you, you think about these people and you don't realize how long they live, how, what their interactions were. So uh, but think about it. Uh, when Abraham dies, Isaac is 75 years old. And the sons are 15 years old, you know, so it, it, it's powerful. Now, it says Isaac was uh, 40 years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethiel, the, the uh, of the Aramean, of Paddelram, the sister of Laban. We'll see Laban again. Laban is a. Uh, uh, he's a strange man because he really cares about material things, and we see that he's a trickster as well. Uh, when Jacob comes into the world, Jacob's nickname means tricker, trickster. That's what his name means. Uh, he gets tricked by the original trickster, which is Laban. And we'll see that later on when we get a little further into the passage. Look at verse 21. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren, and the Lord answered him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. Well, basically they'd been married, what, 19 years. Still no children. And that day and time, people would say, you you, you don't want to wait forever, you know. And so 19 years, basically almost 20 years have passed, and they don't have any children. And so Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren. I think there's a reason for that. We saw all the way through that the reason God waited till, a- till Abraham and Sarah were so old, it was to show that these children were the promised ones, that whatever God brings in, God is the one in control. I think it's the same thing here. God says that I'm in control. I'm working all these things according to the counsel of my will. And so he prays to the Lord because of his wife is barren, and the Lord answered him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. Well, this is great. The focus now turns on God's choosing. There are two, we're going to find that there's two kids. she's got twins. I love twins. I don't know why I love twins so much. Well, I love twins because I'm a twin and my wife's a twin, and all twins are great. That' just you just got to know that. But anyway, she's going to have twins. Think about that: Twin boys. Look what happens. The children struggled together together within her. And she said, if this is so, then why am I this way? So she went to inquire of the Lord. Now, we talked about this last time. The children are struggling inside of her. You know that this Jacob and Esau, they were a constant struggle all their lives. Just like Isaac and Ishmael were in a struggle, Jacob and Esau are in a struggle. And, uh, you know, let me talk about this for a second. You've got two boys coming into the world. One of them is older than the other one. Even though they're twins, the oldest one has supposed to have the birthright. Birthright was a big deal. We'll talk about it more in just a minute. But God, even before they're born, says the young one's going to be the one that has it, not the older son. And we're going to see the conflict of these boys, and it never stops hadn 't stopped even to today because the descendants of abraham of, of, of Jacob are the Jewish people descendants of Esau many of them are the you know the the Arabs and the Palestinians and there 's conflict that's been going on all of these years well she 's got problems and she makes the statement um, If this is so, then why am I this way? Basically saying, if this is from the Lord, I'm supposed to have these children and we prayed and you gave me these kids. What's the problems inside me? Why is there so much confusion? So she went to inquire of the Lord. We talked about this last time that how did she go inquire of the Lord? Where did she go? Bible doesn't tell us anything. Bible doesn't tell us how he answered her. You know, when you look at these passages, you have to remember all the way to Moses which is still a long time, Abraham to Isaac, to Isaac to Jacob, Jacob to Joseph, captivity for 400 years, and then Moses all the way to Moses before you have written revelation from God. So God, in some ways, reveals Himself to them. She went to inquire the Lord. The best that we can say is that they offered sacrifices wasn't the sacrificial system as they had after they came out of Egypt and God would put them on Mount Sinai and gave them the law and all that and set up the sacrificial system. But you go all the way back to Adam and Eve, and they offered sacrifices at the end of the days, meaning at the end of the week. So they're offering sacrifices. It may be she went to the place where they normally offer sacrifices to God and said, if this is so, then why is this this way? If this is supposed to be from you, why am I having so much trouble and the lord said to her notice what he said verse 23 two nations are in your womb and two peoples will be separated from your body one people shall be stronger than the other and the older shall serve the younger Now that was a little bit unusual there's two peoples two nations two peoples inside of her they're the jewish people that are coming from abraham to isaac to jacob that's who it's going to be and then esau who's another group of people and inside these two boys will become great nations. And there's a struggle. And there's a struggle now. It's a foreshadow of the struggles that have gone on through history. It says two peoples will be in your body. One people will be stronger than the other. Who's the stronger one? Who is it? It's Jacob. It's the Jewish people. They're God's chosen people. The choosing is for Jacob to be the one that the promises are going to come from Abraham to Isaac to Jacob. And it's going to go on down. We'll talk more about that. And then he says, and what's amazing is the older shall serve the younger the older one had the privileges. But in this situation, the younger one is going to have the privileges. How can that be? Well, let's all understand the privileges of the older one. Older son had the birthright. And with the birthright, there were three things. There was the double portion, the priesthood, and the blessing. You understand that before God brought the nation of Israel out of Egypt, gave them the Mosaic Law, and appointed the tribe of Levi and the priest to handle that, the father, the, the father in the family was the priest of the family. Basically, Abraham had been the priest of the family. Isaac, the priest of the family. It's now Jacob is going to be the priest of the family because the older, technically, the older son, it was supposed to be Esau, was supposed to have the double portion. That's his birthright. The double portion, the priesthood, and the blessing. The double portion means if there's two boys, you take everything and take thirds, and the oldest son gets two thirds, and the youngest son gets one third. Oldest son got the double portion of whatever, however many kids there were. If there are five kids, you divide into six sections, he got two sixths. That's just the way you did it. The oldest son also got the priesthood of the family. Now, we're going to look at this in a minute. And you tell me, do you think that Esau is the kind of man that wants to be the priest of the family? We'll look at that. And the third thing, there was the blessing, the blessing of the father, which everything would go. Now, the promise, if you remember all the way back to Abraham, was the land, the seed, and the what? The blessing and all of that. And that came from Abraham to Isaac. And now he says in this that the older will serve the younger the the older son's not gonna get the birthright. Now he's got it, but what's gonna happen is gonna be changed. And the oldest son will not get the double portion of the priesthood of the blessing. And we'll see how that happens. Now you realize that no matter what Jacob does, he's supposed to have the birthright. You know in this story, we've already read it, that Jacob basically doesn't trick his brother out of it, but he uses his brother's weakness. To get the birthright. Did he have to do that? God would give him the birthright before it's over with in another way. But we'll see what happens. The double portion of the priesthood and the blessing. In this case, the older will serve the younger. And that's Jacob. It's very, very powerful truth. Now, let me show you something. You think about this, that God says, here's my plan. There's Abraham. I'm choosing Abraham out of all the people in the world. And I'm going to bring Abraham. He's going to be a great nation. And out of him, is gonna be. A, I'm going to give him a land. I'm going to give him a seed, an offspring. And I'm going to let him be the blessing, the blessing to the whole world. Because the Messiah is going to come through Abraham. What did Abraham do to get that? Not one thing. That was because God chose him to do that. The choosing of God was for his service. How God was choosing him to do that. Same thing with Isaac. And now we're going to see it's the same thing with Jacob. I want you to see this. Hold your place there. Turn over to Romans chapter 9. We saw this a couple of weeks ago. I just want you to see it again. Romans chapter 9. We'll start about verse 10. When you see this story about uh, these two boys and what God is doing. Now be real careful because the choosing of God is not for salvation. The choosing of God is for service. He chose Pharaoh. It had nothing to do with salvation. It had to do with service. He chose Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. It was not for salvation. Each of those people had to believe in the coming Messiah. It had nothing to do with the choice that God had as far as what they were going to do. Look at Romans chapter 9. Look at verse 10. And not only this, but there was Rebecca also there she is, when she had conceived twins by one man, our father Isaac, there he is, for though the twins were not yet born and had not done anything good or bad, so that god's purpose, according to his choice, would stand. God made a choice, not because of him who works, but because of him who calls it 's not because the people do things it 's not whether good or bad it's not any. it's because God chose it was said to her. The older will serve the younger. Once it makes it very, very clear that it is not based on whether what these boys were going to do in a sense, but based on God's sovereign choice for what he wanted them to do. And he says the older will serve the younger. He chose Jacob because he chose Jacob. You can go back to Genesis, but I want you to see something. God's choices have nothing to do with human merit or status. Jacob was not better than Esau. In fact, if you knew them personally, you might like Esau better. You might, you might. That's according to your personality. But if you're the, if you're the hundred fisher the outdoors, you know, guys that's going to do some stuff, you'd like Esau. If you're a little bit more quieter, if you like things that are in order and if you like settledness, and you like, that you might like Jacob. But what God's choosing was not based on whether Jacob was better than Esau. It was based on the fact that God chose Jacob to bring the promise through him. We're going to see that he reiterates this several times, and we'll see it a little bit later on. Well, we're going to see how this fits out. It's the same in our lives, by the way. God chose you to, and if you go to Psalm 139, before you were ever born, it says the days of your life are planned. We're not talking about your salvation. We're talking about what God is going to do with your life and how He's going to use you. Gifts, the talents, the abilities, the things that He has given to you. Well, look what happened. Verse 24. Well, 23 again. Uh, The two nations are in your womb and two people will be separated from your body. Two peoples. One people will be stronger than the other. That's the Jewish people. That's the people through Jacob. And the older shall serve the younger. That's Esau going to serve Jacob. Verse twenty four. When her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, that were twins in her womb. Now he told them. Now in that day they didn't go get the ultrasound. They didn't go. Mm, uh, okay, there's one. Okay, there's the other one. They didn't know that. She trusted God. God said, "You got two in there." They everybody just said, "You think you got two? You got two. And I told you the story of my mama back in the day. They didn't have they didn't have uh, ultrasounds or anything like that. And she went to see the doctor. And, Of course, we were my, me and my my twin sister and I were so premature. We were three months premature in 1949, so that was a long time ago. And and the, she went to see the doctor, and he said, well, you, looks everything looks okay. And she said, I think there's two in there. And the doctor said, I don't think so. She said, I feel something kick here, something kick here. I just don't think that's one. And the doctor said, you don't have twins. And, of course, we were three months premature. And when it came out, the first one came out, which was me. And, 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 and the, as soon as that came out, they realized six minutes later, there's another one coming out. And... The doctors realized, wait a minute, there are twins in there, and they're really early. And they didn't know that then. Well, here, she's told ahead of time, she's going to have twins. But notice how the verse says it. When her days to be delivered were revealed, behold, surprise, there were twins in her womb. That They were going, <laughs> whatever God says is right. And by the way, whatever God says is always right. When he makes a promise, he says, I give you eternal life and you'll not. You'll what? Never perish. You can guarantee it. You can write it down. You will never perish. You have eternal life. That's what he says. Now look at the look at the boys when they come out. Now the first one came forth red, all over, red all over, like a hairy garment. Ooh, is that? You go, ooh, poor little rascal. He comes out and they go, oh boy, he's got a coat on. He's got a coat on. Who got this coat on this baby? And so they called him what? Esau. You know what Esau means? Harry. That's right. They called him Harry. And uh, they went, whoa, here's, here's this one. Well, there's another one. And afterwards, his brother came forth with his hand holding on to Esau's heel. Now, you can you imagine? They're pulling out old, old Esau. And as they're pulling him out, that here comes a hand coming out with him, holding on to his heel. They fought all the time, even when they're coming out. Afterwards, his brother came forth, with his hand holding on to Esau's heel, so his name was called Jacob. The word Jacob uh, it, it 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 means trickster, it means uh, supplanter, it has the idea of to grab. Literally, sometimes it means to seize by the heel. It's an idea that you come back and you trip somebody from behind, and that's that's a trip. That's a trickster. That's who he is. And so, basically, these boys are born, and one is called Harry, and the other is called trickster or deceiver. You'd say, well, that's great names. Great names for your kids, but that's what they called them. And as we look at these guys, they are totally different. Esau viewed life temporally, fleshly. We'd call it, we'd say, whatever is now, fulfill the flesh. Jacob viewed life from an eternal perspective. He realized what is important with God. We're going to see it as you look at their lives. Now... The, the birthright, we're going to talk about the birthright for a second. You remember we said that the birthright has the, the double portion, the priesthood, and the blessing. That's a spiritual aspect of there. The double portion is the one who gets the most. The priesthood is the one who headed the family aspect, and the blessing is is the blessing from the Father. But in this case, it's the blessing coming from Abraham to Isaac on down to whoever, Jacob or Esau is going to be Jacob, and it has to do with the Messiah and the Savior. Well, what happens concerning this birthright? Because when they're born, who's supposed to get the birthright? The oldest son. And who is it? Esau. Esau's supposed to have it. But she already knows. She already knows that God has told her that the older will serve the younger. The younger one's going to have the whole aspect. Let's see what happens. And uh, we're going to see... uh, Now, by the way, Abraham... uh, Uh, When these kids were born, Abraham was 160, and they're going to be 15 years old when he dies. I always like to look at it and think about it like it's real people, of course. And can you imagine the kids are 15 when their granddaddy dies, 15 years old? And Abraham, as you remember back in the passage, it says that uh, Abraham lived 175 years and he breathed his, his last and he died in a ripe old age an old man satisfied with life and was gathered to his people was a great man Uh, every one of us who believe in Jesus Christ as Savior are called children of Abraham because Abraham was called the man of faith. And when you believe in Christ as Savior, you are a person of faith and you're a descendant of Abraham. Not that you're Jewish or anything like that. It's just saying that Abraham was a man of faith and when you believe you're like him, you're a child of faith. You're a descendant in that way. So Abraham was a great man. Isaac is a great man. Don't know a lot about him. And now we've got Jacob and Esau. Well, let's see. About these boys look at verse 27 When the boys grew up esau became a skillful hunter a man of the field But jacob was a peaceful man living in tents Now when you read that Sometimes you get maybe the wrong impression You you get the idea that esau is kind of a man's man and and uh, I think Esau is the hunter of the field the world a man's man. He's going to do his thing. Jacob's kind of the Peaceful man. He kind of stays in the tents and wants to cook That's what you picture But that's not exactly what this means when it says this. Because when I first read it, you think, well, Esau's kind of the tough guy and Jacob's kind of the weak guy. But it's not exactly that way. Esau was a hunter, but Esau, the the way he's described, that uh, became a skillful hunter, a man of the field. And and it talks about him, as you look at his life, he was sort of a nomad type, sort of a wanderer type, sort of he would do his own thing. He was was a man that did his own thing. You might call him the man's man, the independent man, the man that says, "I, I don't need really anybody. I do my own thing. Now, Jacob, the word, when it says that Jacob was a peaceful man, living in tents, that word means that he had a life under control. It's a very positive word. It's not a negative word. It doesn't mean he was a sissy. It doesn't mean he just liked to stay at the tents. It means that he saw life. He saw what was important. He, he viewed life in a, in a very practical way. And, and uh, uh, he was a man who cared about the things of God. That's sort of what it, what it means. In fact, it, sometimes the word that says peaceful man is the word blameless. Sometimes in Hebrew it's translated blameless. So it was the idea that, that he is a, a righteous man, that he's a godly man. And we realize that the nation of Israel is named after this man, so we have two men, Esau of the world, the flesh, the temporal. He's called an immoral man in the scripture. We didn't come up with that. We didn't say he's an immoral man. The Bible calls him an immoral man. While Jacob is a man of God who sees things eternally, who has things under control. Now, in all families, as good as they are, there's always issues and problems. Look at the next verse. Now, Isaac loved Esau, because he had a taste for game. But Rebekah loved Jacob. Do you remember the passage sometimes in the Bible where it says, Jacob have I loved, it, Esau have I hated, or something. And you know that doesn't mean love and hate like love and hate. It means a choice. Notice this says that Isaac chose Esau. He picked. Esau was his favorite. He, if he was going to do something with somebody, he would pick Esau. He, he would put Esau above Jacob. That's what he did. Because he liked the food. He liked the game. He liked the man's man. He liked the hunting. He liked that. And he said, my son, this man can hunt. He's a good one. He's a good one. Not here very often, but he's a good guy. But notice the other thing. But Rebecca chose Jacob. Chose Jacob. We'll see in their lives. And you know the stories. You know how even though we have the birthright, there comes later the blessing. They're two actually different things. Even though the blessing is part of the birthright, that there's a blessing that the father gives, and the oldest son always gets a special blessing. But you you remember what happens? That the mama who loves Jacob is going to trick the daddy and everybody else so she can make sure her son, the one that she chooses, the one that she loves the most, the one that she's got, she wants to make sure he's going to get the blessing. Let me tell you. Is he going to get the blessing? God said he's going to get the blessing. She doesn't have to trick people to get the blessing. And we'll see it, how it works out in all of these things. So you got two boys there. And the favoritism is Isaac loved Esau, the hunter, Rebecca loved Jacob. And uh, she knew what was going to happen. She didn't have to trick. God already told her. Well, here's the event. This is the key that changes everything. When Jacob had cooked stew, verse 29, Esau came in from the field and he was famished. Obviously, he didn't have that great a hunt day, right? Didn't bring back anything. He comes back from the field and he is starving. And what is Jacob doing? He's cooking. Got some stuff. Smells pretty good, too. Smells real good. Let me ask you a question. Do you think that Jacob knew that he's supposed to have the birthright, the blessing, and be the one picked by God? Do you think he knows that? The answer is yes, he does know that. You don't think his mama told him? You think she told him? Of course she told him. She said, look, I already talked to God. God says that you're going to be the one. You're the one that through whom everything comes. Let me ask you something. Do you think that Isaac knew That Esau that Jacob would be the one that would come through. He sure did. But what do we see Isaac doing later on when the blessing times come? He tries to give the blessing to Esau in a violation of the Word of God, and God won't let him do it. God tricks him. It's amazing. When I say God tricks him, he got tricked by the family. And when he goes in there to make the blessing, he gives, it to the, he gives it to Jacob anyway without even knowing it. Well, I think that Jacob knows that one of these days he's supposed to have all this. So he's there making some stuff. Jacob had cooked some stew and Esau came in from the field and he's famous. And Esau said to Jacob, hey, hey, please let me have a swallow of that red stuff there for I'm famished. He said, let me, let me have some of that. Let me eat is what he really says. Let me eat some of that red stuff. For I'm finished. Therefore, his name was also called what? Edom. You know what Edom means? It means red. Because from this point on, everybody knew because of the red stew that he lost his what? His birthright. Everybody knew it? That's why they'd say, hey, red. Oh, sorry. Didn't mean to say that. Red. I'll just call you Harry. All right. Listen, when you study and look at these people's lives, it breaks your heart to see what kind of person Esau was and see what happened to Esau. He made some unwise choices. Esau said to Jacob, Let me have a swallow of that red stuff there, for I'm famished. Therefore his name was called Edom. But Jacob said... No, no, no. Wait, wait. First, first. in fact, did I put it up here? Yeah, let me eat. Literally, let me cram into my mouth. That's what the word means when he says, Let me eat. Let me have a swallow of that red stuff. It literally means let me cram something up in my mouth. It is not a nice thing. It is not saying, may I have just a touch of that. No, he's saying, may I stuff this stuff up in my face. That's what he's saying. Let me cram into my mouth some of that red stuff. I don't think he would use a napkin either. What do you think? Right? I mean, what kind of guy is he? Okay. But Jacob said, no, no, no. First, sell me your birthright. Sell me your birthright? Who's supposed to get the birthright? Who is? Jake, Jacob is. Jacob's going to get the birthright. Who's got it right now? Esau. But what did God say? Jacob's going to get it. Why is Jacob wanting Esau to sell him the birthright? Because he knows he's what? He's supposed to have it. But instead of waiting on God to give it to him, to work it out, to change it, which he's going to do, he says, sell it to me. Is it possible to sell your birthright? Could you sell your birthright? Well, the truth is it could be. It could be forfeited. You could sell it. uh, uh, Someone could sell their birthright. It could be forfeited by some sinful acts. It's forfeited here. Esau gives his birthright away for a little cup of soup. That's what he does. It's forfeited. You remember that Jacob's going to have how many children? Twelve. Who's the oldest son of the twelve? Anybody remember? Reuben. it's exactly right. Reuben's the oldest son. Of the twelve children of Jacob, which are the twelve tribes of Israel, Reuben is supposed to have what three things? The double portion, the priesthood, and the blessing. But Reuben forfeits it. Do you realize that? You know what he does? He has sex with one of his father's wives. And so he loses it all. And the... Those, those three things, the blessing, the double portion of the priesthood, do not go to the next son down. It is divided among three of the sons. Do you know who they are? What son got the priesthood? Levi. What son got the blessing? N-n-n-n, no. Judah got the blessing because the king came through Judah. The Messiah came through Judah. Who got the double portion? It's Joseph, because he had two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. Two of the tribes of Israel came, came from Joseph. That's the double portion. So when you look at this stuff, it all ties together, one way or the other. So he says, sell me your birthright. And you think, could you sell it? Yeah, you could sell it. Look at Esau's response, and this is what breaks your heart. Esau said, behold, I'm about to die. So what Houston is a birthright to me? You know what he's saying? I'm gonna die of starvation right here. So what difference does it make whether I have a birthright or not? Because I'm not gonna live to do anything with it. Do you think he's gonna starve to death right there? But he lives only for the moment. He's not gonna die of hunger. We've seen our children do the same thing sometimes when they're growing up and they want something right then. They're crying, they're kicking, they're falling down. I gotta have it right now. And you think, you're not dying, you don't have to have it right now. But sometimes when you're immature, sometimes when you're a child, that's what you think you want. Well, this is the way Esau was. He said, I want the food right now. And I'm not waiting. Well, what about your birthright? Oh, well, I mean, I'm just, I'm gonna die. What good's a birthright if you die? He wants the food above the birthright. He changes, as, as some have said, he changes pearls for pebbles. What if I die? He cannot see past the next five minutes. You know, we talked about that Jacob Jacob saw things from the eternal and Esau saw things from the temporal. Esau says, i got to have it right now. A lot of people live that way. I can still remember the commercial that said, you only go around once, so why not grab for all the gusto that you can, right? You only go around once. Life is now. You got. You got. This is it. Eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow you may. Nah, it's all over. So you got to live for the now. That's what our world says. Sometimes we want something so badly we just can't see past the event. So look what he does. He says, "Sell me your birthright." He said, "What use is it to me if I die?" And Jacob said, verse thirty-three: "First swear to me. That's an oath. Swear to me. Make the oath. That's unbi- you can't. Once you make the oath, it's over." Swear to me, so he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. What did he sell it to him for? A cup of soup. A cup of soup. It could it could have at least been a camel. My gosh, a cup of soup for a birthright? Think about it. He sold away the privileges. I think there's a slide. I, I think there's one. He sold the privileges for a bowl of soup. Hebrews 12, 16, listen to this. Be not, he's talking about it, says, and that there be no more, and he's saying to us, don't be like this, don't be an immoral or godless person like Esau. He's called immoral and godless who sold his own birthright for a single meal. That's what Hebrews 12, 16 says. He's called a godless, immoral man who sold his birthright. Verse 34, Then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew, and he ate and drank and rose and went on his way. Now notice how it says it. Thus Esau despised, counted as nothing, his birthright. He ate, got up. There's an old saying that says you can almost hear him burp as he left. Thank you. Thank you. That was good. That was real good. What about your birthright? It's gone for a single meal. He counted as nothing the birthright and the position that it was. Jacob saw the future. Now, Jacob, what's his nickname? What's his name mean? Trickster, deceiver. He deceived his brother. He tricked his brother. He already knows. Lord has told him. He's going to be the one to get the blessing, the birthright, the double portion, all of this. And yet what he does is he tricks and he deceives. And he, he does this more than once in his life. He lives up to his name. And uh, sometimes we live up to our names. And he is the one but in this particular way, he did see the future. He said, I'm supposed to have the eternal things. I'm supposed to have the blessing. And he got his brother in, the, in a moment of weakness because Esau was a man of the flesh and he knew that. He got him to get his birthright. What have we seen? Well, Isaac, birth of the sons, God choosing Jacob. Before they were born, God chose Jacob above Esau. We see the contrast of the two boys. One's the hunter, one's the peaceful man, one's the one who lives for the moment and the flesh, the other's the one who lives for the future. And Esau gives, sells his birthright for a bowl of soup, temporal rather than eternal. Let me give you an application, okay? First one is, let's live for the eternal, not the temporal. Let's do it. What kind of person are we? Talk about ourselves. Think about it. Look at the contrast in this whole thing. You've got Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They were all men of faith. Even though one's a trickster. I mean, you look at it, all of them messed up. And yet they're still people of faith. They believed God. They trusted God. Look at the second thing. You got Ishmael and Esau. Ishmael was called the defiant one who lived in conflict with everyone around him. Esau, a man who saw the, only looked at the temporal and not the eternal. We want to be men and women who live for the eternal things rather than the temple things. Do you desire to grow in your relationship and fellowship with Jesus Christ? It's going to take bypassing temporal fleshly desires to have and build a long-term eternal aspect. I mean, we've got to take God as Word. We've got to study the Word. There's things that we have to deny. We, we, we live in the power of the, of the Spirit and will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. You have to spend time with God. You pray and study the Bible. That takes discipline. It takes work. If you only do what you want to do. I mean, I've talked to people. I hear them say, I just didn't feel like doing that. I said, listen, if you go on your feelings, you'll never feel like doing anything. How many of you like to get up in the morning? How many of you like to feel like getting up in the morning? I get up about 4.20 most days, 4.40 other days. I never feel like getting up. Never. But I get up. If, I, if, if we only do what we feel like doing, we will never do anything. Because our flesh says, do this, do this. Oh, I like to Give me that pie. Give me this. I want this. You know? I never feel like working out. Never. Never. I go work out. I don't want to. I get there, I feel better after I work out. I feel better while I'm working out sometimes. I don't ever want to go. I'd rather do something else. I'd rather, I'd rather eat a donut. Right? Wouldn't you rather eat a donut than working out? How many would rather eat a donut than working out? Okay. All right. <laughs> but you've got to live not for the temporal because a donut is good. Working out has a better results in the future and that's what we have to do is live for the eternal and we want to live for Jesus Christ. We want our lives to count for him. We want to invest our lives in the eternal things, the word of God and people. That's what we want to do. So we need to see life either temporal or eternal. Temporal and there are people that 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 even in our church, but there are people that I know and their credit card debt is this high because they can't stop living for the moment. They go somewhere, they don't have the money, they want to have it right now. They put it on the credit card, the bill comes in, they can't even hardly really pay the minimum payment because they still got to have what they want right now. They can't see the future. That's what's wrong with us in America. Hebrews says... And laying aside every sin at every weight and the sin that does so easily beset us and let us run with endurance the race set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We've got to get that stuff out of our lives that's slowing us down. Will it be the temporal or the eternal? Is it the fleshly or the future? Is it our desires now or are living for God and making an impact even in the future? May we be men and women of faith living for the eternal, fulfilling the desires of God rather than the desires of our flesh. Second, and I I put it this way, understand God's plan of election or his choice. He chose Jacob above Esau. God is sovereign. He chooses and does whatever he wants to do. And he chooses people to carry out his plans, his will. I think that that God's choices deal with our lives and service. He chooses us to do things. He chose Pharaoh. Pharaoh. When we're talking about the election and the choosing, it's not the aspects of salvation. It's the aspects of service and God's plan. He chose Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He chose Abraham. Abraham still had to trust him, had to believe in him. He chose Isaac. Isaac had to believe and trust in him. Jacob had to believe. All of them did. It's good to know that the perfect righteous God who is in complete control never makes a mistake as he works in our lives. Maybe, may we be men and women of God, living for the eternal. Rather than the temporal. Let's pray. And if there's any questions or comments, we'll, we'll deal with it. Heavenly Father, what a passage. Thank you, Lord, for the lives of these two guys. And we see what happens. And we see that one uh, lives for the eternal and one lives for the temporal. And, Lord, we know that you're in control and you're working things. And you chose Jacob and, and, and not Esau. And yet in this whole thing, we see them both living out their names. One is the fleshly, hairy, red one who wants wants what he wants right now. And the other is the deceiver trickster who wants to get what he thinks he's supposed to have. And he will, and Lord, we had to trust you to get it at the right time in the right way. And Lord, may we live our lives looking for the eternal, realizing that there are fleshly desires that pull on us moment by moment, day after day. And in the power of the Holy Spirit, we can have the victory as we look to the eternal with the goal of standing before our Savior Jesus Christ, hearing him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Lord, may we live for the eternal the things that count, investing our lives into other people's lives so that people can grow and that we can be used by you. Thank you, Lord, for that. help us to understand this whole thing of, of choosing Jacob above Esau and choosing Isaac above Ishmael and choosing Abraham above anybody else and all of these different things as you work your counsel of your will and your plan to bring about the things that you have for us and for mankind. Thank you, Lord. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.